Despite the fact that it was a 90 minute equalizer, 90 plus minute equalizer from Lazio and kind of hurtful bird, I think overall it was an improved performance from Maliti as compared to what happened over the weekend against Valencia. So joining me to analyze the game and talk about Aliti's hopes of making it out of the group stage of the Champions League is my broski. So uh, Magzi, how are you doing? Was my Swedish that bad? <laughs> No, no, it was good. It was good. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Max. It's a pleasure to always have you on the podcast as well, um, Maxi. So, um, I think the best way to start the pod is talking about um, Provedel's goal because actually it is true he is a goalkeeper and he scored a brilliant goal. But the movement to actually read the pass from Luis Abeto was just fantastic, and it's like I was watching Prime Cavani. Reading the, anticipating where the ball will be even before the the assist they were the player even played the pass. Yeah, yeah. I read the Pro, Provodel was interviewed uh, in Gazzetta dello Sport now after the game, and he he said you you, you can believe it or you you can't call it a, a lie if you want. But he said that uh, <laughs> I've I've been studying Ciro Immobile in training and. I know that uh, Luis Alberto likes to make the pass against uh, the far post, so I went there and I uh, just uh, took my chance, and obviously it went well. Wow, that's actually brilliant because I think one of the things that makes up a very good team is players knowing their habits of setting um, their teammates. Like Terry was talking when he was trying to give an advice to Erling Haaland and saying he needs to know how to make a run depending on who has the ball. And I think that was the same case for Provedel. For Fox, we are talking about a, a goalkeeper. Yeah, I, I was just thinking that is it, uh, is it bad that no other player did, t- took that run, it, that it was the goalkeeper who did it? Well, I think um, depending on Saru, we may see uh, Provedel starting uh, as maybe the striker, maybe alongside or we may see a solution and then he up the pitch against Monza. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> because that was actually fantastic, fantastic from him. Him saying that he knows uh, Luis Alberto has to, likes to play the, his crosses that way and then him attacking, anticipating and everything. That's actually something you expect from a striker, a top-class striker. And we are talking about a goalkeeper who actually had a fantastic game and he kind of kept... Lazio in the game with making brilliant saves from Griezmann, Lino, and they had a couple of chances, but he kind of kept them out. And then at the 90 minute, he kind of produced that moment of brilliance because that's a top top goal which you expect from a top class striker, anticipating the pass and then finishing that way. I don't actually know what is more hurtful. Like I was, I was chatting before the podcast, hyping up Luis Alberto as one of the best Spanish playmakers I've ever seen, and then him. Providing an assist for that or consisting in 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's, a t- it's a tough one to choose. Uh, yeah, yeah, Luis Alberto is he's fantastic, man. He, we, we, we were talking a bit about it earlier that uh, in, in Italy he's uh, regarded as one of the best players in the league, but in Spain he's not as highly regarded and it's, it's kind of mad that he isn't yeah for sure because uh, i think morata said a similar thing before the game that he has known Luis Alberto since he was 13 and he knows he's a fantastic player and in my opinion i think is it two seasons ago he was one of the best playmakers in europe in terms of assists and chances created and also short creation actions and it's just amazing that despite having a fantastic season i think it was just before the euro and then he was not even included in the team i'm like this is the best playmaker Spain has at the moment and he's not even making a World Cup. I know Luis Enrique had his biases, especially towards Barcelona players, but come on, man. Somebody has had the best ever since in his career and then he doesn't even make it to the Euro. Well, like you said, he's highly rated in Italy and I think that's maybe one of the reasons why, despite the numerous links to Spain, he has stayed in Italy because he's actually where he feels valued because he's actually that good. I think he's at KGB 
level in terms of true balls and able to see passes that people can't see. Yeah, yeah, I I 100% agree. Um, yeah, that season you were talking about, it, 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 was, it was mad. He was creating chances all the time and I, I can't remember uh, exactly how many assists he he did, but I think it was close to a league record, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for sure. I was talking about uh, how many assists he had. I was just checking, and it was, I think uh, that was 15 assists. Which <laughs> yeah. Actually crazy. We're, and I think we're almost talking the Bruyne numbers. Exactly. And that 106 chances created. So I believe, I think the season is like each time he is about to receive the ball and maybe be impressed on behind. It's like a true ball, and it's like he has resisted everything and was just fantastic guy. Well, I just like the guy because it was kind of good watching him do so well against Aleti because I like the player, but it kind of also hurts given that he's doing so well against the team I love. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, I, I agree with you that Provodel is probably, or he is man of the match, but uh, I think that Luis Alberto isn't far behind. He, he had a fantastic game tonight. Yeah, for sure, because Aleti kind of improved their defensive performance as compared to what they did against Valencia and were kind of tough to break down. So having someone like him obviously was a bonus for Lazio. Yeah, and and uh, Lazio struggled even though they had him because Atleti defended so well. They, they were compact and, and closed down spaces very well. But then, I mean... <laughs> that Provodel goal, you can't even, you can't even make a shit up, man. It's, <laughs> it's once in a lifetime, or or uh, exactly. or twice in a lifetime for him because he scored that goal in Serie B as well <laughs> a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think he, I think he becomes the the second goalkeeper after Victor. I think Enyama for I think for Lille to score in the Champions League. <laughs> that that's a cool stat. Yeah, that's yeah. I think he's in the history book. I think he will be sleeping this night with a lot of smile on his face, <laughs> <laughs> sleeping like a baby. Yeah, but not so much for Aliti because that's uh, three points thrown away and the rest. So um, within the game, I think some of the problems Aliti had this season were on display because Aliti kind of had a good result on match day one in La Liga against Granada, but the performance was not consistent. And then on match day two against Betis. We struggled a lot and the shooter there were a lot of factors that come in play because Aleti did not have the best of precisions. We had to travel from Madrid to Korea. That's a lot of distance. And then from Korea to the US and then from the US back to Madrid, a lot of traveling, which is kind of good for the club because it kind of gives the club um, like bring new audience because like you're going exploiting new markets, but at the same time it kind of damages the team's preparation for the new season. And then um, the next game against Rayo Alicia at 7-0 and everybody's like, wow, they are going to win the league. They are going to do this. And then the game with Sevilla was suspended. And then after international break, you have a humbling, not only a humbling, but the best humbling you can ever have with Valencia. The team goes up, no show, nothing attacking-wise, defensively-wise. Um, not so good. I think everybody was shocked, but the only thing that was not shocking on that day was Hugo Duro scoring against Aleti because it's like he has a perfect record against us. And then, then the Lazio performance was actually very improved. I think Aleti and Lazio have kind of had similar starts to the season where it's up and down and up and down. Yeah, yeah, Lazio has, I think it's three three defeats in the league already. Um, they, they've had a rough start, but... Um... In the last game before the break, and now uh, the first game after the break, they won uh, and kind of they've kind of gotten into the right path again. Um, and honestly, I think I think that uh, they they did a good game tonight. They kind of controlled a lot of the game. Um, had 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 the possession, created a lot of chances. Um, or not, not, not really chances, but kind of half chances because that the final uh, pass or or shot was usually blocked or, or something like that. But uh, yeah, I think they did, they played a very good game. But at the same time, Atleti played smart. 
kind of they knew that that Sari likes to have a lot of possession and kind of just sat deep and used counters um, and and threatened Lazio a few times. Uh, Griezmann had a good chance, which should have been a goal. Um, yeah, I I think that that Lazio played well, but Atleti played smart. Yeah, that's a very good comparison. Lazio played well, Atleti played smart. I think that's great uh, title for this episode of the podcast. I think. Take <laughs> you all now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, like you just said, um, Lazio played well and it's played smart. I think that was basically the theme of the game because in the first half, I think Lazio kind of controlled the ball and also limited the amount of counter-attacks Aleti can have. And I think by the end of the game, Aleti had, I think, more possession and even more passes than Lazio. That's because Aleti were trying to build up from the back, were not so successful in bypassing um, Lazio's high press or mid-block. Um, I think the goal kind of gave Aleti what they were looking for because they were kind of sit deep and counter. And when, when they had um, the deflected effort from Barrios, it kind of now meant Lazio had to commit more men forward, which we saw in the second half created more chances for Aleti. And like you said, Griezmann's chance should have been a goal. And on another day, I think Aleti win the game by, I think, um, 3 to 3 1 or whatever, because they had really, really, really good chances before the dying stages of the game where Lazio had to put more pressure to look for an equalizer and which force. I think El Black made a very, very good save, but Provadel was actually brilliant because he did quite well to keep them in the game and then he doing what he did, just fantastic. So the game went, I think, as planned because what everybody was expecting was before the game was Saris Lazio to have a lot of the ball, Aleti to maybe control the game without the ball, trying to allow Lazio not to have the ball where they want to have the ball and also try to limit those their dead man combinations that they do especially when they are arriving in the final third. So uh, Maxi, I want to just ask uh, what is your overall opinion on Aliti's um, striking option? Because Aliti had I think three good chances which they should have taken but they did not take and as for Morata, Simeon gave him a I think Simon asked him at the beginning of the season that he needs 18 goals from him and Morata kind of started but now I know it's just two games but that's two games dry and I think in the Lazio game he should had a chance in which maybe he should have scored. So what's your opinion on Aliti's striking option because DP is not available at the moment? Yeah, I I agree. I think that uh, and I, I asked you about this when Morata was um, linked with, uh, with Milan, my club, um, earlier this summer that you know, Morata is he's not a bad striker as as many want it to sound or be, but it's not a great striker either. He he is he's a striker who will give you uh, maybe ten fifteen goals per season, and that's fine if it's kind of a second option striker. But from your first striker, you you need more than that, and I I don't think that Morata will provide that. Maybe maybe he proves me wrong. Uh, but I, I don't think so. Um, Deepai is, is very good, but uh, I'm not sure he's best suited as a number nine uh, because he's not that big of a presence in the box and he's not that fast running in behind, but he's very smart and he has a great touch on the ball and everything like that. So I think he's definitely a good player. Um, I do think that Atleti needs a better first-year striker, and um, I think that the club would do well with someone in the mold of, say, like Marcus Turam, uh, a strong striker who can go fast, uh, running in behind, and he, yeah, very all-round. Uh, I think that Atleti would do well with a striker of that mold. Well, uh, Maxi, as we were saying, Aliti will need someone like Turam, and I'm just thinking Aliti were actually linked with Turam, but given Aliti, what happens? They mess up everything, but we're talking about a striker who is physically good, can make runs behind, and I was just imagining myself when I was watching the Bayern versus Neverkusen game on Friday, and I'm like, wow, Boniface, Boniface, wow, this guy's good, this guy's good. He's a Chulusimo player, he's a Chulusimo player. <laughs> that, that's a great shout, uh... 
I think that Boniface will uh, be one of the best strikers in the world, say in three to five years' time. He's just well, I... he he has everything, and he most of all he's just so ruthless, man. Yeah, I can recall watching the game and Obamecano, who is very who is physically good, bouncing off him. I'm like, wow, this guy is a beast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's it's a funny story because I've uh, because I live in Sweden. I I follow uh, the the Scandinavian leagues a lot, so I've I've followed Boniface since uh, he played in in Norway. Uh, so it's kind of been cool to see him all the way to playing him by Leverkusen now. Okay, that's nice. I think you ju- just keep saying good things about this because I have a feeling Andre Bata might be listening to the podcast. Who knows? And <laughs> <laughs> in January something might happen. But like we said. Um... <laughs> I agree with what you said about his striker letting it and Boniface is good, someone just comes to mind and I think he's he still has some things to improve. Like he has the feeling of wanting to do it all. And if he can maybe get that out of his game, I think he will actually be right up there with the Osimans, the Hallands and the rest, because physically he is really, really strong and then he's ruthless in what he does. He's good dribbler and also his movement are just 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 so brilliant. And also, I believe, um, like I saw a Twitter um, on Twitter, which was talking about uh, if he is actually confident in how physical he is, then I believe he can actually have a very good world of play. And I'm thinking of a coach who can actually develop that and Cholo, Cholo comes to mind. Well, one can never be, never, it's never a bad thing to be optimistic, but well, uh, we'll see <laughs> where that goes. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> exactly, fingers crossed. So, uh, Magzi, uh, it was another game for Aliti where injuries was another is another issue. Like I was telling you before the game, before the, we started recording, um, on March day one, Koke is sort of injured. After March day two, you have Memphis. I think Lima also has a knock. And before the game, even Barrios plays just forty five minutes because Cholo was not sure of his fitness, so he could not play the first half. After the, I think the game against Rayo, you had other players who were injured. And then um, for coming from international break, you had Soenchu, you had Depol, which are actually key players for Aliti. And then in the last game, you have Laurentia and Witte who are taking off because of they are feeling uncomfortable. So if I want to actually give you the injury list, uh, you have Soenchu, OK, Memphis, Renudo, who is from last season, Depol, Lima, who had that in the game against Valencia and will be out till January or more. And then this game, you have Witte and maybe Laurentia adding to the list. So the list of injuries is actually actually very scary. And I was actually happy with the performance because despite the fact that we were had we had the number of injuries, it was good that we could still perform that way and everything was actually good. So what's your opinion about um, because I think there are a lot of football matches who are being played at the moment and I think starting from next year, the number only increases. What's your opinion about the injuries and it's as if each season the number of injuries or the players getting injuries keep increasing. Do you think it's maybe because of the number amount of games or the pitch or whatever? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It's because of the uh, the increased number of matches, and I think that um, FIFA and the UEFA they they just see their own perspective they see the money it it will increase uh, in generating um the, the competitions will grow they just make the competitions bigger uh, trying to get them more played more often that i mean the players already played i think when when liverpool went to the finals in all of the competitions two seasons ago Mohamed Salah played 63 games in that season and after that wow. it was yeah and after that it's the international tournaments uh, so they never get any rest and I mean they're they're very well built but there's only so much that a, a body can tolerate before it breaks um, so I, I think that UEFA and, and FIFA need to kind of evaluate how often and how many competitions should be played because uh, well 
Then you have players like Baran, who's at 29, retired from international football because he recognized that his body wasn't going to be able to tolerate that mu- that many games. And if if UEFA and FIFA doesn't change anything and keep increasing the amount of games, I think that more and more players will follow Varane and kind of retire from international football just to have that time to recover during international breaks. I might agree with you on that, and I think that will also have an impact on the lives, the player, for example, players' career, because I think we will see players with very, very short careers. Because we are seeing many more players like, um, for example, Lamine Yemalu are coming up at a very, very young age. And then I'm not saying it's what is going to happen, but then when they are about to arrive at their early 20s or even mid-20s, you kind of see a kind of drop down or the the amount of games taking the toll on their body. We are resisting that with Petri at the moment. Like you rightly said, um, if FIFA and UEFA don't actually put something in place, this will actually be bad. And I think that's one of the negatives of modern football where Profit is at the center of everything. Yeah, yeah, I hundred percent agree. And if if I'm not mistaken, I think I mean this this is the last year of this current format of the Champions League, and I think that the games will increase last uh, next season because they will make the competition bigger. For sure, for sure, you are right. That's more games, and then you have the Club World Cup, which has also been expanded. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a great shout. Uh, yeah, so. I think that what's happening at Atleti now will just happen more and more. I mean, you can you can see. Look at Chelsea; they don't even play European football, and their player their uh, injury list is really really long as well. So, I mean, it's just a bad trend overall in football. Yeah, exactly. Because, like you mentioned, Chelsea also have United that United had to sign a left back on the deadline day because of an injury and it's just like a trend now in football. I think uh, for Real Madrid, I think Kavaja also has fitness issues and the rest because I think from international duty. So like you rightly mentioned, the amount of games is really, really taking a toll on the players. And I think um, if the players, they themselves don't actually come to an agreement and say, okay, we actually have to talk about this and they are just interested in the money that the amount of games bring them, I think it's actually not so good for them because it's like, at the moment, a few has voiced it out, like Kutuas, like Varan, but then at the same time, many are just silent with it, which is not actually great. I think so a couple of coaches like Simeon has even talked about it, and he said, actually, the amount of games is true. It's not really, really good, but he, what can one more can he do? Because you have bodies who are the ones organizing that, and they are just increasing it for profit's sake, which is not actually the best. So, uh, Magzi, back to football and um, back to Alexis' chances of making out of the group stage, because we have actually been having a very, very bad run in the Champions League recently. And it's not actually, but I think in the last three seasons, um, we have made it out of the group stage just once, which was two seasons ago, which we were knocked out in the quarterfinals by Man City. But the previous times, um, we have actually gone out, which doesn't say much about us. Like, for example, it's as if the Champions League doesn't like us because, like I told you before the podcast, um, when Provedel scored that goal, what came to mind was Carrasco's missed penalty against Leverkusen last year, which if he scored, Sensors true, and then after that, you have maybe the fine memories of the finals coming through and the rest. So, it's actually overall, despite the it coming as a shocking result to Alice in terms of when we when we considered, but having a point from from the Lazio game, which is an away game, it's not actually bad as it sounds. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, Lazio is a team. That is very good on home soil as well. Um, they have a, a huge audience there who is very intense and gets behind the team. So uh, one point in Rome is, is not a bad result in any way. Um, and I think that I think that Atleti absolutely can get a good result at home against Lazio as well. Uh, so I wouldn't be too worried just about this result. It, now what matters is how, how Atleti kind of bounces back from this and and how they perform in the in the remaining games. Yeah, I think that would be vital because um, actually when I when I did a preview of um, the draws with um, Kelvin, a friend of mine, he actually said um, Atleti has a good chance of topping the group, but now the issue will be 
how they get results away at Lazio, away at Fahrenheit, and away at um, Celtic because those are grounds that those who don't watch the leagues or even follow those leagues would think uh, those teams are like they, they are they are not well known names, but actually those are teams who are actually very good at home. For example, Fahrenheit they won the league last season and. One of the reasons was they have incredible home record and we all know how Celtic Park can be here on European night. So those are grounds which will be tough for Aleti. And if Aleti can actually get results there, then I believe um, Aleti can actually make it through. And like you said, Lazio are a very good team and I think they are the second toughest team in the group. That's after Aleti on paper and having a, a result away is not actually bad as it sounds because it's like you have started the group stage away with a point which is not that bad. Um, so um, the other teams in the group fair not beat um, Celtic three goals to zero, and that was because Celtic took a rec- um, two records in, um, in I think in the span of five minutes, which kind of which kind of let them down, which kind of um, made the game easier for Fernand. And despite the fact that you had saved the penalty, so at the current standings, you have Fernand on three points, Aleti second with one point, Lazio one point, and then last is Celtic with zero points. So after the match, the ones, uh, Max, did you think um, your maybe your positions before when the group before match the one was played? Do you think it changes or is this stands the same with Aliti and um, Lazio making it out of the group? Yeah, I I think so. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that Atleti will finish on uh, top of the group because I think that I mean, in in the end of the day, it's a, it's a very good team. Uh, and I know it kind of sucks for you because you needed reinforcements this summer. Uh, yeah. But on the flip side of things, that means the same squad is there from last year and knows the system and knows the style of play, the philosophy. So they're they're kind of already ahead. Um, as I mean. Feyenoord and Lazio have new players that need to gel into the team, uh, find relations with their teammates, and Atleti is already ahead there. Um, so that is a positive for Atleti in the, in the midst of all the negativity that comes with not signing any players. But um, yeah, I, 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 in, the, in, the end, in the end of the day, I think that Atleti is the by far best team in this group. Uh, no disrespect to Lazio, but they need more consistency, at least this season, because it's been so much up and down, not just in results, but in performances as well. Um, so I think, actually, I think that um, Feyenoord can be a dark horse uh, competing for the second place against against Lazio, because Feyenoord is a, they're a very well-drilled team. Uh, I, I watched their game against Celtic tonight, and they they didn't reach their top level, but they played a very good game even before the the two red cards. And they they've signed players like Calvin Stengs this summer, uh, which is a player that that many teams in Europe wanted a few years ago, who had kind of a tough time at Monaco, but is now back in in the Netherlands. So I think that they can be a dark horse. Uh, I think that Atleti will will um, manage to get a good good result against all the teams at home and at least against Celtic away. But Feyenoord away can be a bit tricky because the Cape is uh, it's a tough away stadium and uh, Feyenoord is a good good team. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I'm, I think I made a mistake. Uh, Fairner won two goals to zero and not three uh, zero. The other goal was ruled out. Yeah. Due to um, after I check, yeah. Exactly. So um, like you, have, yeah, like you have rightly mentioned, uh, Fairner can be a dark horse because uh, they're actually good. I think if you are not forgetting, they actually made them um, the final of the Conference League two years ago, and last season they were knocked out of, I think the semi-finals of um, the Conference League still. Yeah. So. They are actually a good team, and they are very, very, I think, under Zit and slots, they have actually found a consistency, and then their performance level, both in the league and European competition, have actually been good. So it's actually a team to watch out for, and 
like you said, um, before the uh, before before the game, I think against Celtic, I checked their starting eleven or some of the players. Like you said, Stengs was a player who many teams um in um, Europe wanted, and then the guy who um, who scored the second goal is it a Jahan Bash? I think actually had a spell in which um he played. I think in the Premier League um, with Brighton, he was signed. I think is it from AZ something of that sort. So I think they have a good squad, and also the guy who played as a nine share today. Is it, uh, I think, Yankuba Yanku Minti? Yes, uh, actually, I think a high prospect from Gambia, which I think if you are maybe into African football, you know Gambia basically has been producing a lot of talented players recently. So I think they have a good squad. And as for Celtic, well, it's actually a tough loss for them and that I'm sure they will be looking to regroup on a match day two against Lazo, which is, I think, in two weeks' time. So fair adversity. In two weeks' time will be a great game, and like you said, I also hope Atlético can actually top the group. I'm saying hope because our record in the group stages are not the best, and we have had some nightmarish that way performances in the group stages. I can see called Quarabac sending us to the Europa League in 2017, which actually made us to the Europa League, and I can see call last season Club Bruges. <laughs> so <laughs> you have those performances. Uh, which I can uh, still recall. So, Maxi, I think uh, that's pretty much covers the uh, majority of the Champions League game. And now, the big thing is Aletia heading to the derby. And now, we have mentioned all of those injuries, and it's actually scary. Maxi, no offense, but your team is coming from, it's just from playing a derby, and, and you know how defeat is things. So, you can actually imagine how I'm feeling going to the derby with that amount of injury. And that not so majority of the key players who actually make the system function are not there. So, what do you think about our chances? Hmm. Yeah, I I think that, um, that it will obviously affect Atleti a lot with all these injuries. Uh, like like you said, it's not just some bench players; it's actual uh, key key players uh, who are injured. Um, but what something that is at least positive is that Real Madrid hasn't been up to their highest uh, level either this season. It's been quite a few games where they managed to win at at the at the end, um, much through Jude Bellingham. So hopefully, for your sake, uh, they they don't do so well <laughs> in this derby. But I mean, it's it, it is that, like you said before we jumped on the recording that it is Real Madrid and they they usually find ways to win. So that's the scary thing about them. They can they can play a bad game but still end up winning. Uh, so Atleti really has to be on their feet and have the right mindset going into the derby despite all these injuries. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like you already said. Uh... They have not been actually great, but well, they have been getting the results, which is what matters at the moment. And given um, Angelotti's, uh, I think, new experiment this season, which started in preseason with a diamond, and then you have Bellingham acting as a 10, but with actually more license to make runs in behind, which has been fantastic, especially when you is not the pitch. Because uh, you have, um, they started the season with Vinicius and uh, Rodrigo playing as the two players up top, that's a 4-4-2 diamond where Chomin is at the base and then Kamavinga, Valverde on the sides and Bellingham at the top. And I think it has worked magic because that kind of gives, you have um, players in Kamavinga and Valverde who are actually very athletic and playing at the sides of the diamond can actually cover a lot of grounds and also make runs forward. And then you have Bellingham taking advantage of the fact that neither Rodrigo nor Vinicius like to have the box presence and actually making the runs into the box. And then you have brilliant passers of the ball like Cruz or even Kamavinga or even from the defense like Alaba picking him out. So I think they are, they are, their experiment has been good so far on the ball, but on the off the ball, not so much because I think against La Real, they actually struggled a lot. And if Aliti can, you know, kind of win the game, that would be fantastic, even though we have a lot of injuries at the moment because winning against those guys oof, feels like. I don't know, but feel so much better, you know. It's like, for example, Milan beating Everton. I'm sure. Sorry, Milan beating in there that would be great. Or Liverpool beating 
Everton for you that would be actually great. So actually you have been enjoying because Liverpool has actually had the better of Everton a lot in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, and I think as you mentioned, uh one one very important thing for Athletic this derby will be to have a, a good um, have uh, awareness of the of the surroundings in, in your own box because as you say Bellingham is a very skilled at make, making those runs in, and then they have Jose Lu uh, there in already. So I think they will have a, quite a few kind of crosses into the box trying to hit the, the forehead of, of Bellingham and, and Jose Lu. And I think that Atleti need to be sharp on their feet there because otherwise that can end up hurting you. Yeah, for sure, because um, I think Laria kind of um, made a mistake by allowing you or giving you a lot of space. Because last season, he is basically one of the best players when it comes to area balls and also a very good header. And I think one of the combinations, past combinations which were very popular last season was Pacheco to Yoselu. And that's something Real Magic can use should in case Aliti decide to press high, giving Aliti a play at home to maybe escape the press. And that's in the case Yoselu starts. So it's actually going to be a very fantastic game, man. Hopefully, um, Atleti can come um, can be on the upside. So, um, um, Maxi, I'm sorry, but we cannot leave the podcast without talking about Atleti's goal scorer against last week, which is Barrios, because he actually broke into the scenes in the Copa de Rey and then gradually end his sports. That was actually when Atleti struggled in the first half of the season, and then after the that's after the World Cup, you have him doing so well in the Copa de Rey and then actually having a professional contract. So, what's your overall take on Barrios? Because He's actually a, like a hot kick at the moment at Atleti because he's just been phenomenal. Cook is out, but he has come in and he has kind of given a lot of, let's say, defensive reassurance if playing as a, as a midfielder. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's as you say, he's a, a fantastic uh, talent. And I think that he very well could be a, a key figure in Atleti going forward. Uh, it's it's kind of special, you know, also because he <clears throat> he's I mean he he was at Real Madrid, but at least he's spent a lot of time in Atleti's youth system, and you always uh, love I mean these players coming up from the academy and uh, making their way into the first team squad. I mean you you can sign players from from outside, but it's it, it hits different when it's one of your own. Uh, so I think he will be. A very good um, addition, or uh, he is in the squad, but I think that he will be very important going forward because he 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 kind of is one of your own and is a huge talent as well. So it kind of have more uh, importance, if you know what I mean. It's like um, yeah, it's like say like Trent Alexander Arnold in in Liverpool. He he is for sure one of their best players, but. On top of that, he's from the from the city and he's from the academy as well. So he's kind of a representative of the of the supporters of the pitch, and that's a bit like what uh, what would be with Barrios at at Atleti. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you know, also from Real Madrid Academy before coming to Atleti Academy, Saul. <laughs> yeah. So very true. <laughs> So it's like well, it's like they keep it's like they are the gifts which keep on giving to our KDB. So uh hopefully uh Barrios can maybe do uh, maybe have a repeat of what Saudi did to uh, I think Real Madrid, I think that was during the twenty I think twenty fifteen. Sorry, twenty I think twenty fifteen, twenty fourteen, fifteen season, I think, which Angelotti was sacked in the four zero and Saudi scored, I think, a goal, uh, I think an over kick. So well a repeat of that would be fantastic. Yeah, but but one only <laughs> Yeah, but I mean he's a he's a fantastic uh, young player as well. So that's what you you look forward most to to see him kind of develop and he has some great role models on the, on that midfield to kind of help him with the uh, and Saul, uh, Rodrigo de Paul. Oh, yeah, those are some fantastic players to look up to. So you fancy him scoring this weekend? Barrios. <laughs> I th- I think that Morata will score this weekend. 
I was thinking that Leti had to um, sign um, Povedel to kind of start for us. Ahead of Morata, well, okay, jokes aside, but if you say Morata scoring, ah, I think that every day him scoring against Madrid, mm, fantastic. I can recall him scoring last season and him covering Mo so that it is Arata that is showing because the Real Madrid fans were like saying that he is like a traitor, given that he he grew up in the academy despite the fact that he left our academy to the academy and the rest, but. Well, that's not a bad. They were like he has played to played for them, and then he's scoring against blah blah and the rest. So him scoring and making the same solution, covering the mo so that you can see the arata. Mm, that would be fantastic. Yeah, you love a gold legs. Mm, the derby and it's at home, so a win will be great for reality. So uh, Maxi, I think uh, unlike me, you have been having a great start to the season. Maybe despite the fact that you lost the uh, 5-1 in lose 5-1 in the derby against Inter but Milan is having a great start to the season and so is Liverpool and I think Liverpool are kind of having the balance that they do not have and you the recruitment on both teams were as good and not as bad as that of Aliti. Yeah, yeah, it's Liverpool have kind of found their way back to to their old old self with this kind of more intense football um more direct, and uh, I think it, it's a much better, well-balanced midfield now with uh, Dominic Schoboschlein and Alexis McAllister really kind of providing fresh legs. Um, and uh, I, I think that one of the most improved players this season so far is also Darwin Nunez, who's who you're familiar with from La Liga. And uh, no, oh, he he only played in La Segunda. <laughs> Yeah, he played in Segunda, like the season in which Benfica signed him, I was crying on my Twitter page, Aleti, Aleti, that guy is made for Cholismo, he was, I think there are some aspects of his game which he showed in Segunda, which I've not even seen at Liverpool, and even, and you know, even see at Benfica, which was basically his whole play, because I think at, um, ben, at um, Almaria in the Segunda, those are aspects of his game which he was actually very good at, like, Maria usually used him as maybe the go-to man, and but I think he went to Benfica and he was kind of molded into more use. I think he's in given he is very fast and he was molded into a guy who attacks, who makes a lot of run behind the opposition line, which is was actually great. But I've not really seen that player the way he played at Maria and the way he plays at um, Liverpool and Benfica with they are not so similar. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. And uh, this season, um, you can see that he. He's kind of more schooled into how, how Klopp wants him to press. And uh, I think against uh, the last game, who were we playing? Yeah, yeah, Wolverhampton. He, Wolves. Yeah, he, he has a fantastic hold-up play there where he um, kind of just held the guy off and turned around very quickly to kind of get past their, their midfield. So... I, I think that it, that and his his decision making has become better now as well. He's more calm, calm on the ball and makes more rational rational decisions. Uh, so yeah, I, I I really look forward to him this season because it's a terrific player and he's so fun to watch. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think I'm having um, somewhere like Bielsa in the national team kind of also helps. Yeah, yeah. I read somewhere that uh, that Bielsa has already kind of. Uh, Giving him a lot of, let's say, uh, homework on how he should take his runs and what he can do better, like small details of his game. Uh, so I think that having Bielsa with that kind of detail analysis in the national team will help him a lot. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, hopefully, wish Liverpool and wish Milan kind of the best in their seasons. And so sad we cannot meet Liverpool again this season, Maxi, or else you know what will going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> the the that defeat still haunts me. Ooh, that was prime Lorente, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know you know, uh it was the last game we played before before COVID and uh, yeah. uh and everything shut down. So, so that was the last game I saw before COVID hit. <laughs> like imagine that being your last memory from football. Oh, I was you got, for me. You, you, for me. You, you guys wrecked me. <laughs> oh, very well. There's a chance of meeting Milan because uh, Milan has been good this season. I think if we meet Milan, uh, it's not the same Milan we met a couple of seasons ago. But well, 
hopefully I wish them the best in the competitions they are fighting for, except the Champions League, of course, because also the Amalitico is also one of the contenders to win the Champions League and not just participating. So if we meet Milan, I'm sure for sure we see you again, but hopefully we see you again and me doing what I do best, taunting you. <laughs> yep, you're very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the tables are turned you know, and then... Uh... <laughs> And then um, oh, you can actually start on to me. But you know, uh, Aleti, I think as a Aleti fan, I have fond memories against Milan because I think the 2013-14 Champions League season was actually great. And against Liverpool, same. I think in the Europa League, which um, Diego Forlan at Anfield. So, <sighs> Maxi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Yeah. Max. laughs> We're really struggling against Atleti. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. We will let you struggle against Bundesliga clubs. Luckily for me, you are not a Bundesliga fan, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, Max, yeah, it's been fun having you and we are coming to the, the end. And So, um, Aleti B actually also played in the U-League today and they actually beat um, Lazio's under-19, two goals to zero. And Aleti has some fantastic players there. Like, for example, you have, um, I think, Abde was one of the scorers and there's also uh, I think our Moroccan players in the B team they actually did a great great job and they are actually on fire those are some of the players I'm hoping that will actually uh, make it to the first team because they are like the future because I think one of them was even included in the match day squad even though he did not feature but at the U team I think Aleti have a fantastic bunch of players who if they are given the chance and they actually make it to the first team then Maybe they can solve a little some crisis in the past years of um, error. So having issues with the striker. So hopefully things kind of change for that. So uh, Maxi, uh, before you go, I think I have some questions for you. Cause <laughs> <laughs> okay, concerning uh, a little. So uh, I hope you are prepared. Yep, I'm prepared. Hopefully you do better than last time. Oh, yeah, last time was really bad. Okay, but I'm sure this one will be good because there are questions concerning the, uh, Liverpool and Milan. So, okay. okay. So, the question is um, can you um, recall uh, the scoreline of the uh, Europa League semi final in 2010 versus Liverpool and Liverpool at Anfield? 2 1. Okay, so. Who scored the winning goal? Who scored the goal? We who which took Aleti through? Let's see. This is a tricky one. Uh, was it? Oh, uh, yeah, it was Forlan, no? Because analyst went through on the way goes. Hmm. Yeah, it's been better than last time. Seems you came prepared. <laughs> so okay, the next question is: What was the score line? What was the aggregate score line uh, between? Um. Sorry, what was the score line when Aliti visited um, San Siro to play AC Milan in the 2013-14 Champions League season? Round of sixteen. Hmm. I remember you won four one uh, at home. So one nil Atleti, no? Oh, Buzai! Wow, did you want to do so far? Wow, Maxi! Hmm. <laughs> wow, you're you're just hitting you're just hitting the target like Alan. Hmm. Oh, for me. <laughs> 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 okay, that's right. Um, and who was the goal scorer of the night? Hmm. Sorry, what was what was the question? Um, who was the goal scorer of the night? Who scored the... for Milan? No, for it was one zero at San Siro. So who scored the goal? The winning goal. Ah, um, hmm. Oh, oh yeah, it uh, it was Diego Costa. 
Buzai, four and four. Wow, I'm scared, man. These are the questions I know because I, I remember results and, and stuff like that. Ooh, okay. Okay, the final question. Uh, final question. Uh, this is a technical one, you know, but I'm sure you are going to have it. Uh, so, when was the last time Aliti won the trophy? Uh, won a trophy at all or in Europe? At all. Okay, in Europe. You're in Europe. Europe, I don't know, but uh, the last time must have been must have been La Liga, no? Yup, it's La Liga, the 2020-21 season with Kipi and the rest. And in Europe, it was 2017, the Europa League, which a little bit more say in the final. Oh yeah, wow. because uh, with uh, in La Liga it was the year when when Luis Suarez joined from Barcelona. Yeah, exactly. So Maxi, well, five on five. Wow, I'm impressed. Wow. Yeah, some sometimes I'm impressed. <laughs> well, the way we answered the question, you were like, "Hala, hit the bullseye." Not like I which I helps you with some hints, you know. Yeah, the, the one I was uh, most uh, unsure of was the Liverpool Athletic one, uh, because that was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For land scoring and picking a little, I think, on the way goes. So, Maxi, it was great chatting with you guys. This 50 minutes has been as if it was just 10 minutes. Hopefully, we can have you more often on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I would love to come on again. So... Thanks for dear listeners and remember Nunca they had a clear keep believing in the team and like Julio said, even despite the injuries and it's me, we are going to have 11 players in the game. So never stop See you next time.